0: Everybody to another episode of Bub and the Bloom, episode 108. We're wrapping up our positional previews for the 2024 fantasy baseball season. We've done catchers, first base, second base, shortstop, third base, three outfield, three starting pitchers. Leaves us with relief pitchers. Pitchers and catchers have reported to camps all over baseball. That means we get a ton of just awesome bullpen session videos on Twitter, and a lot of relief pitchers throwing gas all of a sudden. So we're going to talk about you know the top twenty or so relievers, then go some deeper dives for you to get you ready. You can find me on Twitter at bdentric, the podcast at Bubba Bloom Pod, and my co-host as always on the Twitter at Ryan B H Q. Ryan Bloomfield, how we doing, my friend?
1: Doing good. Uh, yeah. Also with with camps opening, it's injury season. So cool. sorry, Orioles fans and Kyle Bradish managers. Yeah. Uh, tough, tough scene. I think we'll get another wave when hitters. Start reporting too So yeah,
0: yeah. there's gonna be a bunch like well even the, the the orioles was bradish it was uh gunner has an oblique that john expect, means yeah john means is at least like a, probably a month out it seems like a couple weeks at least which which, uh, which which
1: which prompted your uh which prompted your <laughs> mid-february victory lap over exactly. tyler wells that was that was that was I an would,
0: impressive tweet that me wouldn't call it quite a victory lap more of like how do you like me now um it's it's a little different, kind of, because I wasn't I wasn't victory lapping any success. I'm just giving. Oh it. no no I, I'm having fun with it. I enjoy the tongue in cheek behind this. That was the point of it, because I knew Ryan would play along with this. So uh, that's why I sent the tweet out. Like I'm not going to message Doctor Dave when a guy has a toe cramp. That never ends well for anybody. But uh, this nope. this is fun. But we're going to have a lot more. Like you said, this is going to be par for the course. People like, you know, all of a sudden Seeger had an elbow issue at it. Like, come on. Like, there's a lot of these things. And even someone tweeted out, I can't remember who it was, and it kind of makes sense when people were saying the Orioles need to go trade for an ace or do something. And people were like, they traded for Burns already. They probably already knew about Bradish. The yeah, Orioles, I didn't, you just don't have to say anything, so you don't have to put anybody on ILs yet. And that's what we talked about, I think, last episode, or I talked about on Bench with Bubba or something. Now you'll see guys go to the 60 DIL, open up roster spots. More guys will get signed. Like It opens up a whole new window once camp's open. It's the beauty
1: of drafting early. You are uh, unbeknownst to you, drafting players who are injured while you draft them. This one, Scott F. Ross, which whatever, he's like a 48th round pick on a few of my teams. He had back surgery in December <laughs> and they just yeah. announced it today. So it's, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, it's It's the name of the game. So. Anyway, um yeah, dude, I countered it up as part like leading up to the show tonight. These position previews have flown by. This is with this is our twelfth one, six weeks.
0: Yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty good, friendo. Pretty good. Things we got going. Perfect here. timing
1: in front of uh Labor on Tuesday, which will be our live stream at eight o'clock Eastern.
0: Yeah, it's a so, different time than usual. No,
1: yeah, eight o'clock eastern, five o'clock our time. And then uh, leading up to auction. Auction Listener Leagues, so I like the timing.
0: Yes, and we'll have, uh, if you can't catch us live on the YouTube, as usual, even the Labor Draft will be coming out on podcast form on you, yes, like usual, so have fun with that. But, um, yeah, it's going to be fun. We're cranking up, we're racking up. Like you mentioned, uh, Listener Leagues, you have your first one, Monday night, the 19th, so it's going to be good. I might sneak around and watch that a little bit here and there and see how that goes to get ready for mine on uh, Friday next week. So Yep, your Friday yep. and Monday a lot of cool stuff coming up it's going to be great it is full on fantasy baseball time and that leads us to the end game here closers and in recent years Ryan it was a revolving door of you know who's the guy you're going to pick up off the waiver wire there's a bunch of teams without any stability so on and so forth only a handful of aces per se we had a lot of really good closers last year we did that in the recap episode early in like december a lot of really good, a lot of really good closers, or at least closers that kept their jobs. I should say to like rack up saves that didn't leave a ton of turnover. When all things were said and done, but you know, our good buddy Rob McCabe, who does a lot of great, um, you know, uh, fab reports and everything, said the most important added player to teams and OCs that had winning success was Tanner Scott, a closer. Yep. He's one of the few guys that got the job later in the season and made it happen. So it uh, there will be openings in the end in the bullpens but it, i don't know what's your thoughts before we even do this? Do you feel like it's going to be another stable year or is it just kind of a fluky thing
1: yeah that's the i mean that's the big thing i'm glad you asked because i was that's exactly what was going through my head it's almost like we podcast together twice a week uh, <laughs> that was the theme of our recap episode back in whatever november was like and and anyone who played in fab leagues last year and you needed saves, it was just a struggle. There was just very little outside of, yeah, like maybe Tanner Scott, Albert Alisale. Um, the question you need to ask yourself is, is that a one-off or is this the start of a trend? I, I think, I think just personally, this is just a hunch. I feel like it was a one-off. I feel like we, I feel like there will be more, um, and maybe it's just some of those years where, uh, where the best closers just did well and held the role. Um, it has not happened very often in the past. So I would not, um, would not overreact to the lack of turnover that we saw last year. I feel like, feel like that was a little bit more extreme. Again, could be wrong, but um, that's why there's so many relievers going in this like top 100 is it seems like there are uh, a set number of guys with the job, with the role, and the skills, and outside of that, it was just very hard to do that last year. So, um, I'm willing to bet there'll be a little bit more turnover. Uh, when we get to like general strategy on fab leagues, I think my uh picks will reflect that.
0: Yeah, and I, one last thing I want to mention there because Ryan mentioned top 100 ADP. This is DC ADP where relievers get pushed up because yes, you can't use fab in the DCs as well. And we've said that in the past, and it kind of stuck a little bit last year. There was still a lot going early in drafts, but you won't see it to this extent. Like some of these guys, especially like in the, you know, out, outside the top 10 guys, they, they might fall out of the top 180 ADP. That's just kind of how it goes. It all depends. Like if you want to go check, there's some early OCs that have been done. You can get an idea looking at those, but those are early OCs. So we don't even know what the uh, main draft season looks like yet, but just something to think about with relievers. Very usually a very volatile position between drafting wise and just production on the field. So it's tough to decide, like, do you go all in? And like you said, we'll talk fab strategy at another time. But uh, that is one of the big determining factors that we talked about. Like, do you take an early pick on a reliever and pass up on, like, another maybe four-category bat or another ace pitcher potentially? Or do you roll the dice on some guys later in the draft and go, if I have to, I'll play the waiver wire later? That's a fun predicament as well. And it's just one of the hardest – it's
1: the hardest, to me, positions to project. We talk all the time, like we've been, I mean, one of the biggest like polarizing starting pitchers in baseball, this draft season, streak, Skubal, because he only pitched 80 innings last year. It's a tiny sample. Well, relievers only pitch like 60. And so like, it's just so hard to, even if a reliever for two years in a row or whatever, post great skills, um, you're still in like tiny sample land and it's just, uh, it's hard. And then you get a, you get a bad stretch. I think of Josh Hader, what, two years ago when he posted a. ERA north of 5 for the season. It was mostly in like a 6-week bad stretch and there went the roll. So like it's just it's very tough to uh project uh despite what we saw last year with the stability at the top. Uh great point about this ADP that we're showing on the screen for the YouTube crowd and the live stream is yes, this is draft and hold and it it it, uh, it aligns with kind of my general strategy and draft and hold. I have been trying to get two closers in the first like 14 Feel like there's like, like roughly 14 ish closers that have the role and have the skills, uh or at least mostly the skills. Been trying to get two of those guys in drafting holes, but in fab leagues, probably just doing one. Probably just doing one, taking a shot on a later guy and then trying to work fab. But that's that's generally how, how I'm planning to approach it for fab leagues. We'll see. We'll see on Tuesday how it uh how it turns out in labor, because that's our first uh live Fab League.
0: And I will mention this, I, and I know that some people just clown on mock drafts for whatever reason. Wh- however you want to practice and get ready for the season, knock yourself out. That's what I'm going to say. Um, and at Fantasy Pros, I'm doing a series that I did last year. I've put two articles out already. I don't know if the second one should be posted, hopefully. I don't know. I submitted it two days ago. But um, it's 12-team formats, and the, the uh, roster is just like the nfc OC. But I do like an early pick, like a top three pick. I did the second pick this year. I do a middle pick, so I did the sixth pick. And then I'll, the one I have not written yet will be a late pick, usually 10 or 11. And you basically, Fantasy Pros has a really cool like mock draft simulator. So yes. if you just want to do one by yourself. I've done and, this. Yeah. Yeah. And it's actually helpful because it's not just like, you use the old joke with mock drafts. As you enter, people make like three picks. They disappear. It's just auto drafted the rest of the way. And it kind of sucks. Mock draft uses the ECR, the, the, the big group rankings, to at least kind of keep it honest and build your team throughout it. So this exercise, I sit there and pick my team while everything else gets auto-drafted, and then I kind of break it down. The one thing I will say, and again, not really an OC if you're thinking NFBC formats, but maybe this will help a Yahoo, an ESPN, a CBS because those leagues are different. The relief pitcher thing, as you mentioned, you can get some of these good guys much later in those drafts. Much later. Again, mock drafts, who knows what the real deal is, but it's much different than the DCs, as I'm trying to mention, that the fab leagues will differ quite a bit.
1: Makes so. sense. Makes sense.
0: Something to think about. Last question I have for you, because you mentioned these two words a few times, and uh, it's a HQ kind of staple. Draft skills, not roles. Is this the position where you really focus on drafting skills, not roles, probably more than any other position in fantasy? There's
1: exceptions to every rule. Actually, this is a position where I, I look at the role more than anything else. Okay, actually. So just the opposite. I, I Yes, I I would love to draft a guy with skills, uh, maybe we'll talk about, maybe I'm leading into Joan Duran here, the fourth closer off the board. Um, the role is just as important, if not more important than the skills, in my opinion. Fair so, enough. And that, that's what makes it tougher. I mean, as well, like trying to, I, I was take, talking earlier about like the 60 inning samples that we get. We're also at the whims of managers. front offices and managers that we don't know what they're going to do. We've got track record on some of these guys. Uh, but Yeah. I don't know, just just madness. I um, I we'll get to the players in in just a second, but I uh, I I don't envy the reliever experts, industry folk out there who specialize in this stuff because this is this is difficult. And a few of those names, just to just to kind of give listeners, like if you're if you're looking for good uh, content out there for relievers funny we were before the show talking we we are both in the live google sheet the closer charts that greg jewett of reliever recon which is a a patreon site that we both obviously subscribe to um greg jewett and team do a fantastic job year round so if you're interested in that uh do that like i said bubba and i saw our own icons in the same sheet as we were prepping for the show so that 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 explains a ton uh, Ryan Roof over at RotoWire, shout out to him. Does a great job. He's been on bench with Bubba yep. a few times. I know that. Uh, Doug Dennis, the OG, the OG at Baseball HQ, yep. uh, does fantastic work for us on that on the site. Mike Carter at Fantrax. I hope I'm not leaving folks out, but uh, there's
0: a lot of great content out there.
1: But but check out some of those guys who specialize in this stuff because it's it's uh, it it can make you pull your hair out, and so support them.
0: Yeah, the, the uh, Reliever Recon that, that um, Jewett and company do, easiest $5 I see taken out of my PayPal every month. It's uh, real simple, yep. real Absolutely. simple and very – like they send you at least one email a day, it feels like, of a new article or something. There's a lot going on over there to get you yep. ready for the bullpen, which makes my life easier because someone's doing a boatload of work for me in that regard. All right, let's talk pitchers, as you mentioned. And we're not even getting technically probably the best reliever last year because Felix Bautista is out for the season, and that was like a cheat code if you drafted Felix. People talk about the Acuna cheat code. Felix Bautista was a cheat code last year because he fell in drafts because there was concern about his arm issue, which makes me laugh. This time last is really, year. Is is yep. really that bad? No, that's the question. Um, and now you got uh, Felix Bautista, who was a strikeout machine, so on and so forth. So that leaves us with the guy that I was big on last year, worked out very well. I like him this year. Don't have a ton of shares, though, because I do have concerns we will talk about. That's Devin Williams, first reliever off the board at ADP 41. Uh, 58 and two thirds innings last year. You mentioned sample sites so and 58 and two thirds, 60 and two thirds, 54. One of the best closers in baseball. But one thing I love about Devin, outside of 36 saves last year, elite ratios. Elite ratios. Uh, a 153 ERA with a whip of 0.92 strikeouts through the roof with Devin Williams. Um, i like him if you want to pay for a closer i have no qualms about it i do concern a bit um with stability at uh his team let's put it that way but uh what's your but i feel like if he gets traded he's probably getting traded to be a closer which you'd hope for that's the hope you never know but uh, what's your thoughts on devin williams
1: yeah when you said concerns i was like what what are your concerns i i have none i really have none um he's he's the number one closer for me even if he gets traded, he's very very high chance that it's to a team that would continue to keep Devin williams as the clover closer um the only concern is the price that's why i'm not taking Devin williams i and that's my general like rp strategy is these guys are so hard to project i'm looking at the kind of the adp pockets and just trying to get the last or second to last guy in each tier and i don't really care that much who it is Um, i have some qualms with a few of the names etc etc but like you're past, it's just the opportunity cost of Devin Williams. Like You're passing on Bo Bichette, C.J. Abrams, Jose Altuve, Randy Rosarena on the hitter side. You're passing on the legend, Pablo Lopez <laughs> on the starting pitcher side. So <laughs> it's it's more just like the guys going around Devin Williams. Uh, no qualms with Williams himself. It's just the, uh, it's, it's the price taking a closer that early. I don't want to be the first one taking a closer
0: yeah no that's why i don't have any devin williams right now it pains me just because i how much i you know touted for him last year it's just now it's the usual when they do well at any position it's time to find the new guy farther down the board <laughs> that's just how it works with devin williams and we
1: do uh, have a we yeah. do have a chat uh question adam in the chat does devin williams get traded before the season or trade deadline i i don't know i i don't I don't know. I have no idea. But I, like I said, I don't think it matters. The only, the only thing is matters is which closer would he supplant a la what we saw in Houston with Josh Hader supplanting Ryan Presley.
0: What I will say is they'll try to trade him. The hard part will be just like David Bednar for years. Williams has two more years left uh, this year and next year. So it's going to cost a pretty penny to get him is going to be the uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure before I continue on. Cause I believe we looked this up before. Yeah, free agent 26. Yeah, he's got two years left before he's gone. So, something to keep in mind in that regard as well. Uh, Edwin Diaz missed all of last season because of his ACL injury in the World Baseball Classic. He was one of the top closing options off the board last year. He's the second one this year with an ADP of 43. Uh, I have no qualms about him because it was a knee injury, not an arm injury. Like, I'm pretty confident that things will be back to normal. You'd hope so, at least with Edwin Diaz. But again, the price point is just like I hate. People are gonna be annoyed because I think we're on the same page here. But I usually wait a little bit longer before I get like literally probably another five or six guys before I start taking closers in drafts. So it's no Edwin for me. Really good if you want to, but it's not my cup of tea.
1: I've got qualms. I mean, we have we have not seen him in a year. Like I'm not. I mean, I'm not not spending a top forty five pick on someone who we have not seen pitch in over a year. So. It's uh, Edwin Diaz could very well just jump back to being the person he was. And maybe that's the most likely outcome. I don't know. But what if, you know, the knee just isn't quite the same as it was before? What if, what if things are down a tick or two on the fastball? That sort of thing. I, I, again, don't know if that, how likely that is, but I need to be a little bit more sure of what I'm taking in the first, you know, four rounds of a draft. So Edwin Diaz, I would be very surprised if I end up with, on any of my teams um again fully fully knowing and hoping that he goes back to the uh the closure he was pre knee injury but that's a pretty i mean it's still like acls are you almost yeah. think of like dime a dozen nowadays but it's still pretty serious injury and we just haven't seen him. so
0: yeah you, you say you haven't seen edward diaz but to be fair you see my golf game once a year and you're already confident enough to bet against me before you see it the next year. So like well, are we really, you know, do you really have to see it to believe type thing?
1: Not only am I confident in that, I'm confident that you're paying for my again. Yeah, round of golf well. that you've done the last two round two years well, as well.
0: So game on, game on. Uh third closer off the board, Josh Hader, ADP 48, Ryan mentioned new home for Josh Hader's third team uh going to Houston, third team in four years, or I guess technically three years for Josh Hader another 33 saves last year ratios went back to normal after that Rocky 2022 that Ryan mentioned earlier. Um, it was a little weird last year cause he was like on a strict regiment of not pitching like every two days and like, oh, he had this weird thing going on and he even commented on it. Like once they said that I just didn't care anymore. I was just going to kind of follow their thing and kind of coast to the end of the season. It was a really weird interview to hear, but, um, He's the dude in Houston. That's the elite team. There should be plenty of save opportunities. Again, it's a little high to pay, but I, out of these three guys, like team context wise, this is your guy right here out of the top three, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like Houston should, although we say that, but Ryan they Presley, might blow, they might blow him out too. Ryan, Pre- yeah, Ryan Presley was their closer for years, and I know had a couple years where he had to just like twenty eight saves or whatever, but but, but yes, in general, like, sense. yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, but in general, just the teams that win more have more save opportunities. Nothing groundbreaking there. Um, I mean, I, I, you can pick holes in Josh Hader, double digit walk rate, each of the last four seasons and a lot of fly balls, like walks and fly balls, especially in Houston with the Crawford boxes. Like Josh Hader had some very fortunate home run luck last year, 6% homer to fly ball rate Lee average on that's like 12%. Um, you put him in a in a in a little bit friendlier park against right-handed hitters. Like I could see, I don't know, I could see that ERA go north three three and a half something like that. But um, again, kind of nitpicking. Team context is great. He's he is the guy. Houston has confirmed that already. So um, if you're if you're spending on a closer this early, Hater's certainly a uh, a viable one. But again, to sound like broken record. Probably won't be on. Many or any of my teams, just given okay. the
0: price. Now we go to the Minnesota Bloomfields, and we got uh, Johan Duran, eighty p of fifty one. He already, Louisville already mentioned Duran here, and if we're just talking stuff, dude, this dude's electric. Like I, it's hard to say because all these guys are strikeout guys, but Duran's probably got the best stuff up in this range. Um, the strikeouts, like weirdly enough, in the postseason. They kind of disappear. I'm looking at a different guy here. Uh, I picked Jaron Duran. Like you're picking Jaron Duran's – Yeah, he had 200 yeah. strikeouts last. Yeah, I was looking at that, going, "Whoa!" But yeah, strikeouts went up last year. Walks did as well. But the thing is, you mentioned walks with hater. Yes, haters are high. But one thing I'll mention about a lot of these closers, they all have like higher walk rates than we like, just because that's the way they throw. They're yeah. just, like fireballers. You'll see that, but they also strike out a
1: boatload. I was gonna say, yeah, if you're striking out, and a lot of these guys are, it's a really good point. If you're striking out 30, 40 percent of the batters. Walk rate kind of doesn't matter as much.
0: Yeah. So what's what do you got, Duran? I'll let you have the floor here. This is like one of your one of your dudes, and and for good reasons.
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, I I I guess he's one of my dudes because I've drafted him once or twice. So I'm at least uh on board with it. He the skills are yeah. He's up. He's Devin Williams-esque. Um, the only the only thing is, and so it's draft skills, not roles. Like is like yes, Duran is the primary closer. Uh, That's that's nothing. Crazy, But is, is he the only closer in Minnesota? I think that's the thing that may hold him back. Uh, we only had, what, 27 saves last year from Duran. There were seven relievers in Minnesota that got saves last year for a total of 11. So 11 of Minnesota saves did not go to Duran despite how good he was. So I, I worry if, uh, you know, like a Griffin Jacks takes a couple you know, here and there. If 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 a few other arms in that bullpen take a couple, you want to get 30, 35 saves if you're going to go this early on a closer. And Duran's certainly good enough to get even more than that. I, I worry that he's not the sole guy in Minnesota. Like, why, why would that change from last year to this year? Uh, if it was that way last year, same manager, same team context. Uh, that's
0: the only thing with uh, with Duran at the price. Yep, no, I completely agree. It's been like one of my concerns with Duran, even in recent years, just because Baldelli will play um, matchups more than other managers will. Not like probably not the most, but he will. We've seen it done before, so that's always a, in the back of your mind, at least. Even though, like you said, Duran will get at least two thirds of them. I'd say maybe even more like seventy five percent of them. Yep, but there there will be a chunk that goes elsewhere and like it's what griffin Jax has always been a favorite of mine in dc's the last few years this year goes late he'll get you a handful of saves that's not great re- ratios and strikeouts so someone else to target late in your dc's but duran is pretty darn good like you said oh yeah emmanuel Classe, he he's one of the top closers off the board last year and it was kind of a mixed bag for fantasy because he you know racked up 44 saves to league baseball that's back-to-back 42 plus save seasons got you 72 innings but the strikeouts came backwards a little bit. The, ratio, or the ratios went up quite a bit compared to what you want from these other relievers we talked about. And uh, that leaves me very concerned with Class A because that velocity drop was not what you want to see from a closer.
1: I think we're worrying too much about Class A. I think he's fine. I think he's fine. He gets, yeah, he gets a lot of, I don't want to say hate, but. Yeah, man, dude led the league in saves last year. You mentioned that. Um, Back to back 40 plus save seasons. Like, he's kind of the anti Yuan Duran in that, like, yes, I'll see the skills are not Duran Williams, healthy Diaz level. I'll I'll give you that. Um, But he still, like, still had 14% swinging strike last. like, missed a ton of bats. One of the like, and so I cite swinging strike rate all the time on this podcast. A general rule of thumb is to just take a swinging strike rate and double it. And that's roughly what your strikeout rate should be. For Class A last year, at a 14% swinging strike, just a 21% strikeout rate. Um, I I think the strikeouts come back. I think Emmanuel Class A has a longer leash than anybody, maybe outside of Devin Williams in baseball maybe he gets traded but similar to what i was saying with williams is like if he gets traded he's still the guy so i'm i'm actually not that worried about emmanuel class A. haven't even mentioned my uh you know my my go-to ground ball rate which wasn't like elite elite in the 60 percent but last year but it it saves you it absolutely saves you so uh 55 percent last year so no this isn't peak emmanuel class a I'll, i'll give you that but like he's still he's still he's still pretty good
0: all right well then i have a couple questions for you here so when you take an elite top closer if you're using a high draft pick on a closer obviously you want saves and class i gets you that there's no questioning that period but you also get usually elite ratios and a lot of strikeouts with these top guys are you willing to trade saves for potentially three other categories
1: Uh, yeah. I mean, you're drafting him. You're mostly drafting him for saves, and Class A. I will remind you, Bubba. Class A, uh, two of the last three seasons has an ERA under one point five, ERA under one point five, and a sub one WHIP. Those are elite ratios. Like, who's to say he doesn't just come back to being that guy? He's twenty. This is age twenty six season. He's not old.
0: No, he's not. So he's not. Well, there you have it, folks. Class A is in session this year. Um. Camilo Duval. Not bad. Not bad. Camilo Duval, the San Francisco Giants. And I think my own uh, giant skepticism kind of got me in the way last year with Duval because I always admitted stuff's ridiculous but wild, which he kind of it, it improved last year. But it was still had its moments of Duval. I was more concerned about that dum dumb in the managerial seat, which is gone now. Um, and he actually stayed out of the way last year. Like he let Duval do his thing, which is great to say. So I think that's where my own bias got in the way. Duval, thirty-nine saves. He was a Giants All Star, by the way. Doesn't say much. Um, Sub three ERA. The WHIP was one one four, which improved from one two four. I mentioned his, his, you know, walk rate dropped to nine point three. Yes, dropped, and the strikeout rate went up to thirty-one percent. He's filthy. He's absolutely ridiculous. Super young. I will just say the Giants aren't going to be a great baseball team. If they do it again, it's going to be smoke and mirrors and annoy the crap out of me because it would be just good enough to think we're in it and not deal anybody. anybody. Um, and second of all, there's just still a lot of volatility with Doval's stuff that he could be elite again, but, but he could also be one of those guys that takes a step back and he would not be surprised. That's my two cents on it. Ryan's probably got better information on this, but uh, what are your thoughts on Doval? I mean,
1: you're the Giants guy, so I, I trust you over what I what I say. Yeah. Um, That said, Duvall is my target. I like him more than Class A. I like him more than Duran. I like him more than Hayter. I'd probably take him over Diaz, and he's going after all of those guys. Like, yes, the Giants, maybe they're not going to be great again, but were they really that great last year? He had 39 saves.
0: Yeah. The last thing is they they just barely win games. So he has a million save opportunities.
1: I'm, there, there was, I'll I'll give you, there was, you know, a 425 ERA in the second half last year. Uh Um, but I'm not that worried about a second half fade. The walk rate was fine. The whiffs were the same as the first half. Um, I, I think Camilo Duvall is uh, again. When I when I mention like taking the last guy or two in a tier, I feel like Doval is that second to last guy in this top tier of uh, of relievers. With the next one being the last guy.
0: Yeah, and I won't say don't draft the ball. Like, I like him a lot. If you just realize the volatility his he, he can bring to the table, and that four two five ERA in the second half, I watched a lot of those games, kind of when we recorded podcast, and um, that defense did not do him favors on a lot of those saves. Like there was yeah. games where there should have been uttered runs that they didn't give him. Like that, that it was ugly, yeah. ugly defensively late. Um, and so he, somewhere, somewhere
1: Alex Cobb is is moaning, and Logan yes. Webb is too.
0: It was just it was rough to watch some of those uh, late innings with him. He get ground balls and yeah, long stories. Um, All right, now this is a guy I like quite a bit, Rysel Iglesias. ADP of fifty eight. Reason I like him quite a bit, not just the team context when you have like the team is going to win close to one hundred runs, hundred games again. But what I love about Iglesias, and it's something that you guys should understand about me from other preview shows, consistency. Yep. Rysel Iglesias is one of the most consistent guys in baseball. Uh, if you go back to 17, he had 28 saves. In 18, he had 30 saves. 34 in 2019. We'll skip 2020. 2021, 34. 17 in 2022 because he was leading the Angels in saves before he got traded to sit behind Kenley Jansen, and you're still a great reliever in the back end of that Braves bullpen. Then last year when Jansen was gone, he retook it. 33 saves yet again. ERA is below three for the last four seasons. If you take 2019 out of it for the last like seven of eight seasons, uh, an ERA below three. Strikeouts. He sits in a a close to a thirty percent K rate year in and year out. So his WHIPs are usually pretty low. It's just the same thing year after year. I love Iglesias. If I'm going to pay for a guy that I think has upper end talent and he just kind of hangs out, big fan of Marcel Iglesias.
1: Agreed. No, you covered it. You covered it well. The only if I had to have like one knit to pick with Iglesias, he did have a did have a shoulder thing last year early. Skills were still great last year. Um, He's going to be thirty four. Um, I think okay, for those two point reasons, point. I'll, I'll go Duvall over Iglesias. But uh, again, from like a, a draft strategy, or even an auction strategy, like this, Iglesias and Duvall. As I as I flip my head to auction mode for on my Monday auction, their average auction value in the NFC is eighteen bucks, and every, the guys above them $19.19, 19, and then the top three guys are over twenty. Like, give me the give me the three dollars savings yep. on. Doval or Iglesias, and on the draft side of that, maybe it's, you know, if you're picking on the three, four turn or whatever the math is, four, five turn, maybe you uh maybe you don't, maybe you get someone else at four and then take whoever's left of Duval, Iglesias at five. So
0: um, yeah, fully on board with Iglesias. I really like him this year. David Bednar, this is one of those guys. I do like him talent-wise quite a bit, but it's just he did have thirty saves last year, but like that feels like a ceiling for him being with the Pirates. Whereas, you know, Duval had thirty nine. Iglesias is perennially like a mid thirties guy. It feels he like thirty
1: nine last year. I think. Oh, bet no. Year.
0: This is me getting old and can't read. It was thirty nine. That is my fault. Can't read. Got to, have to zoom in again. Um, but he's got yeah, the man. lower. forties get rough, don't they? It, it's hitting at me quick, man. It's hitting. I mean, quick I wouldn't. I wouldn't know, but. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll see remember what I have. See, see what I have ahead of me. It's a good really? thing I hit. A good thing I hit record on this podcast for down the road on episode six hundred, and I can remind you about these things. Um, but with Bednar, strikeouts are there. Like he's he's a great closer. I don't have to reiterate everything he does. He's a great closer. It's team context, and he did get thirty nine saves last year, so that's fine. Like every year they say they're going to trade him. He's not a free agent until twenty twenty seven. It's going to cost a lot to get him. So like he might still be a pirate all season. So he's a he's a guy. And if, again, if he's kind of like a safety net, he's not going to be flashy, but has a great floor. David Bednar is a very good closer.
1: Yeah, I, I I I hesitate a little bit to put him in the top tier, but I can see why you would. So like you could group Bednar with Duval Iglesias and take the last man standing of those three in a yep. draft. And I I think that would work, too, especially that the next two guys we're going to talk about, Romano and Alexis Diaz, I I don't like Volatility. as much. Volatility yeah um so i think just for just looking at a um at a macro level this is probably the last and i guess i just said this with iglesias maybe i'm just extending it down to bednar i think the last like guy with the job with pretty elite skills um one issue with bednar i'd say he has had back inflammation it's recurred a few times you never know when that will creep back up but uh Again, not even that worried about the team context. Um, 39 saves and Pittsburgh was bad last year. So I, if he's the guy again and he pitches well, and I expect Bednar will I think he'd go in mid-30s yep, in terms yep, of saves. He, sh-
0: he should. He's like, well, he, again, he just pencil in probably, like you said, 30 saves, good ratios, decent strikeouts, like very solid stuff when all things are said and done. Now it starts to get a little bumpier as we go through the draft board. The ninth reliever off the board, Jordan Romano, ADP of 66 right now. And it's a weird to say bumpy. 36 saves for back-to-back seasons. He had 23 in 2021. He's basically thrown 60-ish to 65 innings every time. Strikeouts are there. Walks were a little high last year. Ratio's up to 290 ERA. Back issues, that's a listener question we have later. He's still good. But like that 1-2-2 whip, now we're starting to get to where things differentiate a bit. With the closing position, and um, like I don't mind Jordan Romano, but definitely not a main target of mine per se.
1: Yeah, it's more the it, for me. It's the it's the back problems that he had. He uh, Romano went on the he go on the yeah he went on the IL in July, and like I just I worry that lingers into this year. I have nothing to really support that, but you combine the you combine the post, the injury itself with the post-injury numbers at spike huge spike in walk rate. Yes. The velocity was fine. Still missed a ton of bats, yada, yada. Um, it's just that like twinge of doubt that I, I, I would just, I would take Bednar over, uh, Romano. So I don't know, maybe Romano is just fine, but like, yeah, back to back 36 save seasons on a great team, but or a good team. I should say, Good. Team. I know Joe Arrico's in the chat, so don't want to give Toronto too much credit, but, uh, <laughs> but but I don't know. It's it's the back. That's the only shred of doubt that I have.
0: It's fair enough. Tenth reliever out the board. ADP seventy two is Alexis Diaz right now. Thirty seven saves last year. Sixty seven innings. Um, Three hundred seven ERA. The supporting ERA metrics don't like him either. The walk rate uh, above twelve and a half yet again. It was a very very good season for. Alexis Diaz, but there are a lot of up and down um options when it comes to Alexis Diaz skill set. We both got it wrong with him last year. we were both way off on him but uh, it's another one of those I'll probably sit back and watch again this season. same we were wrong but like the usage pattern totally
1: changed in Cincinnati for whatever reason that's pretty rare um yeah it's it's again the way that Diaz finished the season like, he, he was, yeah, he was, it wasn't really up and down. It was just a steady down from, from a pretty, from a pretty high peak in the first half. I'll give you that. But uh, I guess, I don't know. He threw 37 innings in the first half, which is a lot for a reliever. So maybe he was just overworked and an off season of rest just kind of fixes things, but that's a lot of maybes and ifs in that last sentence. Uh, don't love the park. he, the the fly ball rate for Diaz did improve quite a bit last year, but uh, 22 at a 55 percent fly ball rate with 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 some walk issues that's that's not a recipe for success in a Great American Small Park. So I am not. He's the first Dia, Alexis Diaz is the first double red on the projection board that we've got on here with a 386 era 129 whip and i think that's uh you know trying to project the actual ratio ratio is good luck but i think that's an indication of some slipping skills and some some injury risk with diaz so probably not grabbing him unless he's late I, i like paul seawald more going almost
0: a full round later so basically i think it's safe to say between ryan and myself and correct me if i'm wrong we want to walk away with at least one of these top eight
1: I, I think yeah. So we just covered the top ten. It's a good place to kind of yeah check. Uh, we just covered the top ten, and we really like well not to speak for you, but we like Duval, Iglesias Bednar. At least I do, yeah. uh, which is six seven eight off the board. And so yes, if I'm going to go early closer, I'm going to take one of those guys in roughly the late third, early fourth. Probably in Fab leagues, it's fourth round in fifteen teamers, fifth round in uh, twelve teamers. Like that that feels about right.
0: Yep, for sure. All right, ADP, the 11th off the board here, ADP 83 is Paul Seawald. Spent uh, time with Seattle and Arizona. People remember the kind of rough finish to the year in the World Series, but all in all, Seawald had a pretty darn good season. Uh, 34 saves in uh, 60 innings pitch, 312 ERA, but perennially plus 20% K to walk guy, which is great. Whip was up to 115, it's a little higher than normal. D-backs will still be a pretty darn good team, I think, and I have no qualms about him being a a pretty good closer that you don't have to pay a premium for. So if you're kind of – like, I I think there's a lot more safety in Paul Seawald than, let's say, Alexis Diaz and even maybe Jordan Romano.
1: Love Paul Seawald where he's going. Like him more than Diaz, like him more than Romano. At at an ADP, that's a lot cheaper. Um, 60-plus innings in each of the last three seasons, 70 innings in 2019. So you take out the COVID year. Like, there are not many – relievers with the track record that paul seawald has shown over the last four years and for all the other reasons that you just stated bubba uh i i i don't know why paul seawald is going this far down i think he belongs in that like 1b tier of closers to me
0: yep is uh the player that took his job when he left in seattle's andres munoz ADP of 87 and he he's always had good stuff that's never been a question he had 13 saves last year uh, missed part of the season due to injuries but another other sub three ERA strikeout stuff was still very good a lot more walks this past year maybe that was part of the injury related situation who knows the other thing I say about Munoz that kind of worries me is all these bullpen trades Seattle's made like you gonna get Gregory Santos who's a young guy that's very very good and was supposed to close in, in for the White Sox like I, th- I think Munoz is the guy, but let's just say there's a lot of options to sneak. Like Matt Brash, big fan of him. There are options that can succeed Munoz um, or like um, I believe it was Corbin Young two years ago on my Mariners preview, he said between like the Seawald and Munoz thing, it was Seawald for just like, hey, we need to get the save. It was Munoz if you need to strike guys out. And so they could play a whole different situation this year again. In Seattle, and it wouldn't surprise me. So, Munoz, very, very good. I'm just not 100% confident in the full season role.
1: Um, I mean, we saw with Seawald last year, he got traded and closed and was fine. So, I, th- I think if that happens with Munoz, who will certainly start out the season as the closer in Seattle, if he gets traded, I, I, I you know I've said this a couple of times, but like there's maybe 10 teams, one third chance that he gets traded to a team and he's not the closer, but, um, I'm not. I'm not that worried about it. I think you're. I think we're overthinking these mid-season trades. Like,
0: I'm not even thinking trade. I'm saying a full season. I'm still worried about other guys mixing match. Like there. of just like losing the role, not losing it, but not getting the 30 saves. He's more like a 20 save guy because other guys will take pieces away from him.
1: Yeah, maybe, maybe the, the Mariners. Concern. They haven't mixed and matched that much. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not that worried. I, I think like, I like Seawald a lot more than Munoz. Just, I, I, I just like the stability. And there is some, like the biggest thing that I'm worried about with Munoz is like, so we had a shoulder injury that uh, Sheldon for most of the first, I only threw 13 innings in the first half. And in the second half, double digit walk rate, fewer whiffs was down quote unquote down 17% swinging strike rate. So he went from like immortal untouchable to, very good i guess if that's one uh one pick to knit but no i'm not that i'm not that worried about muñoz I, I i'm higher on him than you are do you all like right. see what do you like see or muñoz
0: seawald seawald 100 right. yeah.
1: trying to trying to fish you for a bet
0: seawald feels a lot like bednar to me and you're getting them quite a bit apart like yeah. 20 picks apart so yeah. a lot of similarities there to me all right uh pete fairbanks tampa bay rays is our 12th off the board at ADP 89. Uh, Fairbanks, another good year. 25 saves, spent time on the IL, but when he was healthy, he was the closer. That was not an issue, and he'll start the season the closer again. You just pray for health. I have no problem with Pete Fairbanks. This is a guy has been very, very good for a long, long time. It's just more do you think he stays healthy, and uh, I think he's a solid one to grab here. Honestly, I think he deserves to be behind Bednar Seawald and uh, than Fairbanks for me. Ooh, so Fairbanks versus Munoz, maybe? I'll take Fairbanks. All right, we've got our. I'll, I'll add our it re- to the, the reliever bet. sheet. my yep. reliever bet is in.
1: I like that. And same, same ADP. So, um, yep. for me, Fairbanks, and I do think he has the job. I think the Tampa Bay mix and match reliever thing is is overblown. Like, yes, Jason Adam got twelve saves last year, but Fairbanks was. Was out a little bit,
0: and didn't Adams get like seven in two weeks? Like he had like a run. It was a stretch. Ridiculous.
1: Yeah, and I don't. That must have been when Fairbanks was out. I don't. It was. Fully recall. But yeah. nobody else. Nobody else on Tampa last year had more than one save. So, like that's not really the thing uh, that worries me with Fairbanks. It's it's injuries. Um, he's going to be thirty. He had forearm. He had hip injuries last year, and then he's got chronic numbness in his fingers. Which ain't great if you're a pitcher.
0: No, you kind of kind of need ball. those. Kind of need those.
1: So um, I'm glad we locked in our bet before. I got to say my half of the thing. Uh, at, those are just like, like like Pete Fairbanks is fine. I just I, he's really good. I think the Rays will be good again. I think he mostly has the role. Um, it, maybe it's like a Yoan Duran thing where he gets like the vast majority, but not every save. But that's fine where fairbanks is going but uh yeah i'd take munoz over him so i'm gonna
0: add that to the sheet you can see what kind of friend ryan is he has all this information about his health and says i'll take that bet right away and then i'll tell you why you're done it. so
1: it's in the forecaster man
0: public man. public domain hey if it's not on my piece of paper right here no, <laughs> <laughs> all right ryan helsley 14th reliever off the board adp of 93 um, 14 saves, two, four, five ERA. Missed a good chunk of the season due to injury, but when he returned, got the job back right away, which surprised myself and a lot of other people. And he actually pitched really well down the stretch there. And the only reason I know that is because every night on the first pitch podcast, he was one of the relievers getting saves and doing this and that. And they started using him back to back towards the end. It was impressive to see him kind of get back in the groove. I've never really been a Helsley guy, not really locked in on him this year at least he's going late enough if you're feeling frisky and things start to get real murky in a little bit here. Helsley is an option. Like, he's going to have the job as long as he stays on the field.
1: Um, I think he's properly priced. Like, I I like Fairbanks more than Helsley. Um, But you are taking someone who has never got 20 saves in a season before. And some of that's not his fault. Like, he's been kind of jerked around a little bit by St. Louis. But who's to say that doesn't happen again. Um, and, then, and then there's been injuries as well. So like, yes, he's Helsley is, I think the guy and he's got some good skills, but there's just more risk. Like you're starting to get, like you're starting to see why he's going later than some of the guys we've just talked about. So I, I personally, I would not feel very comfortable if Helsley was my uh, closer one. And no, in, in, no, in no. fab leagues, I'm not spending the top 100 pick. Or maybe it's 110, whatever, uh, you know, the draft and hold inflation. I'm not spending that draft capital to take my second closer if it's Ryan exactly. Helsley. So I'm out on Helsley
0: at uh, at the price. Yep, 100% with you on that. The 15th off the board, Evan Phillips, ADP of 95. Very popular name in the streets for a few reasons. 24 saves last year, 205 uh, ERA. The whip was .83, which is outstanding. Uh, 22.6% K to walk. Great stuff. No denying that. On an amazing team. If you believe he keeps the job all year, this is a great pick. There's already been rumors of Emmanuel Klossay getting traded over there. There's been rumors of Kinley Jansen Ooh. getting traded over there. They wanted to sign Josh Hader. It feels like every potential closer with a pulse is linked to L.A., but for now, he has the job, and at this ADP, he could way outperform his ADP if he keeps it all year. So, what risk reward are you willing to take with Evan Phillips? Because I think if you want to take the risk on, it's a phenomenal pick, but there's a lot of it there.
1: Yeah, I don't think there's risk with Phillips. It's just the role. And yeah, it, no, it's, it's funny, fine. man. Right. Like, so they interviewed Dave Roberts today, yeah. Thursday. And it's just funny. I looked in, in prepping for the show because we, we do do that. Um, two different sites have two different headlines. For uh, Dave Roberts, one says, or for Dave Roberts, for Evan Phillips. One says Phillips Phillips will get the quote-unquote brunt of the save opportunities this season. Another site says, Dave Roberts doesn't name Evan Phillips Dodgers closer for 2024 season. <laughs> so It's like, what the hell do we do with that? Here's the actual quote from Roberts. I definitely don't think it's going to be like it was last year. I don't know what that means. I think with Evan, what he did in that role, he did a very nice job. I wouldn't say closer by committee. It's a good conversation. I don't think we need to have it right now. I do see Evan doing the brunt of closing of the games, but I believe it's still prudent to keep that door open where if there's opportunities in the eighth where I think blah, 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 end oh, quote, yeah. we don't know what the role is going to be. Like David, Dave Roberts basically just talked for five minutes and didn't say anything about it. So um, I don't know. It's, it's, it's tough for me to mm-hmm. uh, spend a pick here thinking we only get 20 25 saved from Phillips which I feel like that's probably the most likely outcome. And it could be less if like you said they uh FLA trades for a closer. So.
0: Yep. And to be fair 24 to 25 saves might work with the rest of the board we're going with here. So That's that, a good point. That's where things that's why Evan is he's at a really interesting price point to say the least. All right, let's kind of do some quick shooters here as we've we finished the top 15. Let's try to get through a handful of these. And go. So your pocket 16 through 20. You have Tanner Scott, who I mentioned earlier is the best uh fab pickup on uh, winning teams. You got Craig Kimbrell. This is starting at ADP 100 for Scott. You got Kimbrell, Clay Holmes, Kenley Jansen, and then Adbert Alzheimer's ADP 100 through 122. Is there anybody that's interesting to you here from a draft perspective?
1: No, it's risky, man. And like, so this is and and this is just looking at the board. This is the last, like the absolute last chance you'll get to take a what we think are the full-time closers after alzalay which is pick 122 is jose alvarado at 172 so there's a 50 pick drop in closers after this so if you don't get someone by 122 or let's say like 130 140 in fab leagues you're in you're in trouble yep. um of this group it's tough it's tough i guess i'll say tanner scott but tanner scott is like the epitome of relievers, where he's really good one year and really terrible the next year, and we just don't know. But I think he's the safest in the role, uh, and Kimbrel as well. Like yes. I, I, mean, Kimbrel definitely has the job. He's going to have to pitch his way out of it, which he could do, he could do. But yep. uh, those two, um, Alzale, I, I, not, I'm a little, I'm, I'm worried about injuries with Alzale. Jansen, who knows. He's got, what, a hip issue?
0: Yep. Some hip issues. Always he has heart out. issues. He's got a lot of issues. Yeah, so I don't know.
1: What do you think of this group?
0: I love Al-Zaleh. Just I love his skill set. Um, I think it's his job to lose in Chicago. So I, I am an Alzale fan. I'm biased on this. I know you're probably looking up the uh, ADP. I took him at in the er- too early. You took him. Draft. You took him yeah, in the. I mean, the it, was no, it was no. It was
1: no. It was no Cedric Mullins
0: pick of mine. But it was early. Yeah. No, I took him early. I, I do like Alzale quite a bit. Um uh, even as Eric Halterman mentions, he surprised Alzale is in red in the ERA grid and green in saves. Um, yeah, he'll pick up a lot of saves, but he'll make you sweat it out at times. But I do like Alzale quite a bit. And Clay Holmes is one of those guys I'll just mention. It's boring, um, but he's on the Yankees, and he's the closer. Even last year, it looked like he was going to get, like, supplanted and moved. They gave him his job back. Like, he somehow has some kind of hold on that where at least 25 saves, even if he kind of gets moved around, seems like a thing. So... As a closer, too, I don't hate it. I prefer Alzalea, but, but Holmes, I just wanted to mention. It, we, a lot of people, a lot of people clown on his skill set because it kind of is not your ideal closer skill set, per se, but he still racks up saves when it matters most.
1: And ground ball, 65% ground ball rate last year. Career, like, in the almost 70% for Holmes. So I, that's a good call. I kind of – actually, I kind of like him there, too. Well, but that yeah. – yeah. go ahead.
0: Well, this this whole range, like, you could – give at least one good argument for each one of them probably and a Mm. handful of negative like even Jansen we we make fun of him he'll spend at least two IL stints each year and he'll end up with close to 30 saves like that is what he does his ratios just getting a little worse each year but the strikeouts are still there so in the end he still gets the job done as much as we all everybody loves to clown on him he does get the job done that's why he still gets drafted up here but one of these years it's going to be longer than a two-week stint that's that's the concern for me at least
1: but and if you but if you wait, if you don't take a closer, you wait till now, you you've got a very good core of hitters and starting pitchers. And if you hit on the right on the right closer in this group, uh, of Scott Kimbrell, Holmes, Jansen Alzheimer, it could definitely pay off. So um, I don't know, maybe I'm shifting my tune a little bit where I, I do like taking one of these five guys either as my second closer or yes. if I'm gonna get real real risky in labor on Tuesday and wait, wait, wait. Um wouldn't be the craziest to uh to take one of these guys as a first closer. Yeah, but do not wait until after yeah. this because it it falls off a cliff.
0: Yeah, I've been trying to get one of them as my closer too, if possible in this range, but I yeah. could see in a I could see in a fab league if you're willing, because some people say I just don't want to grind out saves on the waiver bar. If you're willing, you could start here with your first. Like it's not the end of the world type situation. Yeah, I'm
1: not willing. No. I've got I've it's, got little kids on Sundays.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially that first fab period. You're going to be busy on uh, Easter Sunday. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> the next range here in 21 through 25 from ADP 172 to 212, as Ryan mentioned, a big drop-off from Alzelay to Alvarado. You have Jose Alvarado, Jose LeClerc, Alex Lang, Robert Stevenson, and Mason Miller. Now things get interesting, Ryan.
1: Yeah, and like – I don't think Mason Miller is going to be the closer for Oakland. It's just a hunch. Why would would they do that long-term with Mason Miller's development? We don't know if Robert Stevenson's the closer. It sounds like it's still Estevez's job, at least for the first two weeks of April until that nuclear bomb goes off. Um, I guess I'd take Jose Alvarado. I drafted Alvarado in the Werf League, which was my first Fab League last weekend as my second closer and didn't feel great about it, but he is quite a bit cheaper at 172. I don't I have no idea if Leclerc's gonna hold the role he never has for a full season or really even half a season. Alex Lang, like you no. Know, yeah. You know. yeah. So uh I, I don't
0: like this group at all. Personally. I try to full avoid this group except Alvarado. Like I'll stomach Alvarado. I'll stomach it's, it's, it but I know like
1: great. but and but you know you're not getting a full year out yeah. of him. You yeah. just know they're either going to be injury or like Philly did mix, mix and match a little bit last year. There's so
0: year. many relievers in the back of that bullpen with talent. Exactly. And, and they're still rumored like the class A's talks. And they're like, they're, they're still trying to be it. would
1: be, it a be a team to take a yeah. Class A, Williams, some of these guys we've talked yeah. about in terms of trade,
0: Munoz, et cetera. Yeah. So I'm kind of out in the Miller thing. If you guys want a full kind of really, really deep reasoning behind this, my Oakland A's preview with Jake Crumpler, he went deep into the, uh, strategy behind not using him as the closer is very interesting to hear it that way not the only reason to listen to anything A's related but it was very very good all right the next grouping here 26 through 30 robert suarez kyle finnegan carlos estevez matt brash hunter harvey 219 to 277 i uh, like a couple of these guys if you're deep in your draft
1: it's interesting to see finnegan and hunter harvey yep next to each or close to each other fitting in 234 Harvey 40 picks later 277 um that bears watching the Washington closer role to me bears watching who they go with I've been taking a lot of Finnegan in drafts and holds me too I think he he ended the season with the job and so it's just my hunch that he will start this season with the job had a fantastic run mid-season last year um, and kind of roller coaster around that, but Finnegan has at least shown the ability to hold down the closer role for for some time. Um, I talked about, you know, I, I just Carlos Estevez to a nuclear bomb, so don't need to go into any more detail there. Uh, Robert Suarez, I I'm not going to pretend to know what the San Diego no. closer role looks like right now, and I don't think they're going to settle on one guy. And if it is, it's Suarez. I just a lot of assumptions, so I'm going Kyle Finnegan in this group. Uh, what about you?
0: Yep, Finnegan for me, have a lot of shares of him as well. 20 to 25 saves at his ADP is what I've seen in a draft and hold I can mm-hmm. deal with. I do mm-hmm. like Hunter Harvey. Like Finnegan got it, got hurt. Harvey took over. Harvey got hurt. Finnegan came back. Finnegan kept the job. That took <laughs> season. That's how the season went in Washington. Now, would Finnegan have kept the job if Harvey didn't get hurt? Million-dollar question. We don't know. When Harvey came back at the end, Finnegan kept his job. So we'll see how that goes. I don't mind tag-teaming Finnegan with Harvey in your drafts. Uh, draft and hold formats if you want. I think that's a fun uh, thing to do if you don't have to. That's a question we have later. But uh, Finnegan would be the guy for me. I love Matt Brash. That love kind of went a little smaller once Santos got there. Uh, that that concerned me a bit. But uh, I think yeah. Brash is extremely talented. I just don't know if the saves will be there this year.
1: I think, and especially in Fab Leagues, I think it's a tough, it's a tough, you draft him and then hold on to him. Yeah, you can't. I. I it's more a draft and hold play. 100%.
0: All right, we'll breeze through a couple more here as we go deeper into the projections. ADP 31 through 35, as Ryan pulls the board up, I will tell you who they are. Um, It's ADP 291 through 323 on your draft boards. Ryan Presley, another San Diego guy, Yuki Matsui, Jason Adam, who we talked about earlier with Tampa Bay, David Robertson, who is the reason why it makes LeClerc even harder to draft now, and Yiner Cano of Baltimore behind Craig Kimbrell. Anything of interest for you here?
1: Not really. I mean, it's still a point in the draft where you're trying to get saves. Maybe David Robertson. I'd
0: take a chance on David Robertson in a fab league just in case he wins the job. If you're drafting now, because if he wins it, it's going to go a lot earlier.
1: Agreed. Um, There's no reason to take Kano. He's not the guy. There's no reason to take Jason Adam. He's not the guy. There's no reason to take Ryan Presley. He's not the guy. Yuki Matsui, maybe. But as I just talked about, we don't know how that's going to shake out. So avoiding this group outside of maybe David Robertson.
0: Yep, fair enough. Uh, 36 through 40, Will Smith, James. Oh,
1: your boy's on here.
0: Which one? Oh, MacArthur. He's no, so, keep oh. going. Oh, <laughs> I screwed up the
1: board. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. Yeah, so said, Why is he yeah, on this thing?
0: Because he pitched out of the bullpen for part of it last year. <laughs> Um, Brian Abreu and my boy, Tyler Wells, is right here. I, I saw the, I, the second I looked back, I saw it. Well, I'll, I'll beat you to the punch on this real quick. Um, James MacArthur and draft and holds I've been drafting a lot of because I think he's the better reliever in the back of that Kansas City bullpen. He's another guy in the David Robertson ilk that if you're in a fab league and you're drafting now before things get settled in Kansas City, MacArthur could got, be a guy to, to take a chance on if it doesn't work out. Easy drop late in your drafts. Tyler Wells gonna be a phenomenal fourth or fifth starter for the Baltimore Orioles. Talked about him a lot in the last preview. No need to talk about him now. Ryan's just jealous he wasn't on the same train as me. That's why he's making fun of me now. So uh that's why that that's where that came from.
1: No, I'm just disappointed, man. This in, in myself. Look at this board. <laughs> Look at all these guys projected for zero, one saves. Like, what did I do to like why is Silsey? What's well, another ex- it's DL another
0: halls on this board? It's another example of why he might need to take guys early. That's the problem. As much as we want to fade a big chunk of that range, it's why you got to take some of them.
1: Aaron Ashby's on this board. Like a, I, I screwed something up. Or, yeah, like you said, it's the state of the, 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 state of the position. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Smith and or MacArthur is at least you could get some saves from both of those guys. Like I could see a projected 14 and 12. That kind of makes sense to me. It's just when is that going to, you know, when when are those 14 saves? Because you think about it, I mean, a full season fantasy baseball is what, 26, 27 weeks? Mm
0: -hmm.
1: You get 14 saves.
0: That's not even one a week.
1: It's like one every other week and try to time that.
0: That's why DCs, DCs, DCs. Yeah, That's where it's big. Uh, Next range here, 41 through 45, D.L. Hall. Starting pitcher, D.L. Hall. Yeah, Garrett Whitlock, long reliever. Rolls Chapman back up to Bednar. Justin Lawrence, closer in Colorado. And Orion Kirkering, who people love in Philly. But, again, you still have Jose Alvarado there. So, anybody here? No. Yep, pass for me as well. Um, Next range here, we have 46 through 50, A.J. Puck, who there are people thinking he might regain something there or go to the rotation. Aaron Ashby, Tanner Houck, John Bravia, Dirk, Gratterall. Gratterall's always fun in DCs because he'll have his run. I think John Breby is the guy in the White Sox if you want a White Sox closer. That's all I'm going to say.
1: Yeah, I'm surprised. And maybe this ADP is uh, still picking that pre-Santos trade because it does sound like John Breby is the guy in Chicago. So um, he would be the pick really out of anyone in this group, but even the Chapman, Justin Lawrence, Brian Abreu. Like, at least with Brebbia, you might get some, you might get a good stretch of saves to start the season and then go from there. Like, I would not expect Brebbia to dominate or close or hold the role all year, but uh, at least I think you're starting with somebody in the role. And if you can, if you can get that around pick, like, again, this 80 piece is 415, but say it's
0: 300, I just, told, I, just I just looked at all, there's been 11 February drafts. He's gone as high as 228 okay that's that still has an adp of 384 so it's closer to this but he's gone as high as 228 all
1: right um i i take a shot around 300
0: yep i think it's fair very fair and then we'll split through these ones 51 through 55 you have jeff hoffman nick martinez kevin Ginkle, hector nares aj mentor a lot of spec picks here for dcs yeah
1: just specs um I mean, I'll round out the last group because there's some guys at least worth targeting. Ronaldo Lopez, Gregory Santos, Chris Martin, Scott Barlow, and Matt Strom. Um, Just a strategy thing in Fab Leagues, you'll see me do this at the end of the labor draft. Like, I will probably draft Chris Martin or Scott Barlow just in case Jansen gets traded or, you know, just injuries happen. And if that doesn't happen by the time the first Fab period runs, I drop him and move on. So for, for leagues that draft early for fab leagues, I think it makes sense to spend a last round pick or whatever on someone who's the clear setup man. I would say Kevin Ginkle. Ginkle as well. for
0: yeah, if something happened, but i to I think Walt, for hurt. sure.
1: I think he's hurt. I think he was one of the ones that came reported today and they said uh That's good to know. They said there's something going on with him. As I Google Ginkle, which is I'm just risking
0: the uh... battling elbow soreness. So, yeah, as said as said, dealing with some elbow right soreness. Image showed everything is fine, but Ginkel we slow played a bit this spring.
1: Which, yeah, so we don't we don't really know. But uh, I think taking a taking a shot in your last round on someone who's the clear Plan B, uh, especially like Chris Martin. That, yeah, because there is a true. there is you know maybe Jansen. It's two things with Jansen. It's getting hurt or traded. One yep. of those two things happen. Chris Martin might be your guy in Boston going in like your last round of draft. So uh, that's someone who I would target.
0: Very, very good point. All right. Let's do some listener questions for everybody in this one in the chat here. We had Adam Rettkamp said, is there a guy out there that is a current starter that could be a team's closer by the end of the year? Yeah, That's a really good question. Yeah, I don't think. Top can't of my head, I can't think of one
1: off the top of my head. Yeah, off
0: the top of my head, I can't think of one either. But that that would require some, like you, you're talking like Mason Miller type stuff, but that's not in the same seasoned. Maybe Garrett
1: Whitlock, if he starts in the rotation, could end as the Whitlock.
0: Closer. I've always thought he should be a back end of the guy. That'd make a ton of sense there. But yeah, it's not a ton because, yeah, because there's not a lot that yeah. stand out to me. Yeah. So good question though. Something to monitor because you get, especially in those leagues where you can get Sparps, basically starting pitcher with relief pitcher value or vice versa. That's always good. Sparps. Uh, S, I always call them Sparps. S P A R P S. Yeah. Cause there's starting pitchers as relief pitchers and stuff like that. like it. Um, all right. Kind of a double ended question here. Steve Brun asked, does Jordan Romano get a pass for the second half because of the back injury? And then call him my shot came in. Or does the back injury make him an even scarier pick because it might just flare up again?
1: Yeah, that's that's where I lean. Is yes, you can give him a pass. I'd give him a pass, but yes, be concerned. But you can't just assume every February, March, at all, all previous injuries, and it's a clean slate. Um, so I'm, yeah, that's that's the reason I'm worried about Romano, especially at the price.
0: Call my shot. That's another question here, though. Once the guys who have both skills and a fairly secure job are gone. To prefer to draft skills or roll at closers, even though the ADPs are very far apart, this is a philosophical Justin Lawrence versus Robert Stevenson question. Cool. Also, is anyone worth drafting in the San Diego bullpen? Uh so do the skills versus roll thing after your main guys. Yeah, these these two parters
1: are, are, are tough for me. Um, I generally lean the roll, however, the example that calling my shot has brought up is an extreme one in that, like I wouldn't touch Justin Lawrence, the six foot pole, yeah. but in general, like I, if he, especially later, you're drafting these guys to try and get some saves. And if, if it blows up, you cut them and move on. Like if Carlos Estevez is named the closer for the angels, I'm he's draftable. Like, I don't know. Whereas Robert Stevenson, maybe he doesn't start the, season with the job he gets great ratios but what's that actually doing for you not much so
0: makes uh, i I lean rollover skills yeah in the reliever department it makes sense Uh, anyone worth drafting in san diego i have no idea i I, honestly i would pick robert Suarez, i guess but they've got two they got two closers that from japan and korea like they're legit legit closers so i wouldn't be shocked if any of them had a share at some point in time agreed and uh, I think it was Matsui's a lefty. I totally I could be wrong, but one of them is the dominating lefty to go with it so they can play splits. Like there's a whole lot of a lot of pains in that one. Our buddy John Wilder says, Do you handcuff one of your closers in a draft and hold? Like I mentioned the Harvey Finnegan thing. I don't do it on purpose. I'm not opposed to it. Um, I don't usually like um if because we talked also about drafting Upper end closers, so I'm not handcuffing an upper end closer. I mentioned Finnegan and Harvey because they're not upper end closers. Like yeah. if you were to draft two or three of the San Diego guys, okay, knock yourself out. Knowing when to use them is the fun part. You can't drop them when you, one guy gets the job. But um, there's not a ton of teams where I'm all in on. Like I could see getting Jason Adam late with the Fairbanks deal because those are kind of the dudes that'll have the gig. But it's it's tricky. It's tricky.
1: For me, it's it's the price of the handcuff.
0: Yeah, that that dictates that um,
1: I don't want to spend like a top 250 pick. I mean, those picks are value, very valuable in draft and holds. Definitely. You're going to need those spots. But uh, I do actually use it as like a tiebreaker in draft and holds to where like if I if I'm if I'm between two guys um, and there's a clear like I go back to the Kevin Ginkle example. And even though he's hurt, like I, I like taking Seawald and then taking Kevin Ginkle wherever he's going very late in drafts as the handcuff because a he's good and i think b if seabald were to get hurt get traded whatever um i do think there's a a clear path there so and and chris matt chris martin sorry uh, i mentioned earlier as well in boston so i i do like the idea in draft and holds um that's something i've i've done a lot and uh will continue to do but it is i mean it is hard to predict very hard to predict. Like a lot of times it just doesn't work out that way. Sometimes like Chris Martin could also get traded. That yep. happened the year. I forget with Washington.
0: It was Washington traded, like Finnegan. Lear. Yeah. They traded like their top two. Doolittle and someone else like it was yeah. bang, bang. So, so, yeah. Anything's possible. Uh, I like, I like the idea though. Yeah. So do I, especially because like my last 10 rounds, if I'm taking pictures, majority of the time it's a reliever anyways. Yeah. So let's go with some upside here and see where yep. it goes. Yep. Uh, Danny doinks. In a ten-team league, would you attack closers early or wait till late? Bobito and Bloomy, thank you for your service. It's our boy. Nice.
1: Uh, in a ten-team league, I'd still grab. I'd still grab one of those top ten. Like I'd still go Duvall, Iglesias, Bednar, and then wait on your second one until the end. Yes, hundred percent. I still think there's enough of a differentiator between that top tier of, uh, of closers and uh, the group going after the, the Munoz, Fairbanks, Helsley, Phillips. I think there's enough difference between those two groups that I do think it is worth spending. Again, don't want to go, in my opinion, don't want to go the top of the top, the creme de la creme, but take your eighth or ninth out of, out of 10 teams and I think you're golden.
0: Yeah, in theory, you got 20 closers getting taken in that league. We talked, there's 20 guys we could see yes. justifiably taking. Um, maybe some guys take more, but there's at least 20. So hey, differentiate yourself, early, like Ryan said, but make sure you back it up to make that differentiation worth it. There's it's the, almost one, exactly it 20.
1: There. I mean, 20 yeah. is where it goes from Alzalea yep. to Alvarado. In that 50 it's a big, 50 drop big drop off there. So that's interesting.
0: Yep. Ben Bingham says, if you only have one solid closer when the guys with clear jobs are gone, how many relief pitcher specs do you want? And are you prioritizing short-term opportunities or skills? Another roles versus skills thing. Um, how many specs do you take if the clear dudes are gone? For me, it's two.
1: So I would take, so if I'm
0: hearing the question
1: right, you got one closer and you're trying to speculate on the second one.
0: Because the next tier of like, quote unquote, stable
1: guys are gone. So you're, gone. Now you're speculating. I would take two specs. I would take two specs and I would take two specs where it's a, cut and dry decision. They're either the closer or they're not. Um, Like for example, I would spec on Finnegan or Harvey. I feel like that's going to be one or the other, as opposed to one of the San Diego guys where it seems like, at least at this point, it could be a committee. You want that clear decision. So when you get it to your first fab run, if it doesn't work out, you drop and you try and try and get that closer on the fab. What what I don't want to do is take someone in a committee, like a Will Smith, MacArthur, and try and time it it's just very hard so i I take two specs i don't want to i don't want to have like four relievers on my roster it's just a lot of a lot of room when you need reserve bats and 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 i talk about stashing from my bench for starting pitchers (laughs) you only have so many roster slots so i'd say a max of
0: three total relievers you got the finnegan harvey i could say even look clerk robertson before the robertson side yeah Brebia late. Um, there's some of those kind of guys where we think they're going to have the job and go, go that direction. Like Ryan said, don't go to this full on committee garbage. Yep. That gets real complicated. Michael Cicchini says, let's say you get only one of the top 20 secure closers. Who are your favorite later targets who have become the man at cost? I like Harvey and Matsui. I think we kind of hit most of those that we like.
1: Kind of hit that, but it's, it's worth recapping. Al- Alvarado's the 21st. Um, I would, I would go there. I would go Brebia. And Finnegan and maybe
0: Estevez. Yeah, I'll throw David Robertson into that mix. He's just yeah. better than Leclerc. Um, and I have a lot of MacArthur because I think he's better than Smith. But like Ryan said, that's going to be an ugly situation. Lefty-revity. Yeah, yeah, that's just going to be rough all around. Finnegan and Reby be my top two for sure. All right, Mr. Bloomfield, that'll wrap us up. Previews in the books, relievers in it. the books. Any final thoughts as we wrap things up here? labor time my man so i've got my
1: i've got the the my first auction listener league on monday we will not be streaming that one at least from our uh from our show i i'm gonna be saving up the vocal cords for tuesday night's extravaganza so um we will be live actually I, I misspoke earlier the labor draft starts at 8 30 we'll, we'll probably be on around and we'll probably come on eight, a, a eight few 50, minutes before or so. and, yeah, yeah. talk some general strategy and 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 wet the whistle on your end but uh i can't wait for that stream if any and we encourage as much YouTube chatter chat. on that one as as possible it's, come keep it's me my company. favorite show of the year outside yeah. of the FPA's live show
0: he, it, soon to be his favorite episode is going to be the tout Wars battle. That's going to be the That's soon true. to be. We have we um, have not
1: entered the ring yeah, together yet, but uh, out there.
0: but yeah, come to the chat in in the the YouTube or even Twitter allows it now. X allows it because you'll keep me company because I'll keep us going because I I I am nice enough even though I will jab Ryan relentlessly on certain things. Um, when I notice he's trying to grind and figure things out, that's for you guys come into play because then we can go back and forth and talk about stuff while he's actually trying to repeat as the champion because he hasn't said that a whole lot of the show of late. He's the defending champion in that league, and um, there's some and and we know there are some moles in that league that listen to the live feed and take picks away too. So, I'm just gonna say the champ is here.
1: And I'm, I am, uh, I'm an open book in these labor drafts mentioned this last show, but like, I will, I will name player names that haven't been taken. I just feel like it me, it helps me to talk through it while I'm drafting, but I think it's also better material and that's what really, that's what labor is about is providing content for
0: readers is when it started, but now, uh, listeners and watchers. Yep. It'll be a lot of fun. And so join us in on Tuesday evening, like Ryan said, around eight, We'll be going live around 8.15, 8.20-ish 8. Eastern time. So yep. come join us there. But other than that, thanks for joining us for our preview shows. We'll be back with Labor and then Pockets of ADP like we've been pumping up. And we'll get you guys rocking and rolling into the 2024 season as usual. Make sure you check out Ryan on Twitter at RyanBHQ, the podcast at Bubble Bloom Pod. I am at BDN and this was Bubba the Bloom, episode 108. Catch you all next time. <music> ¶¶